ESPN 1420. KPEL Lafayette. Broadcasting live worldwide as we stream live via our official ESPN 1420 app and online at ESPN1420.com. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of. It's Acadiana's best sports leader. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. On ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. As well, it's third down and ten. Four-man rush. Breeze hangs in the pocket, throws wide, wide open. He's inbounds is the question. Smith for the touchdown. Trey Quan Smith in the end zone. They left him alone. Breeze's category, and they're back tight again. Right. Breeze deep in the pocket, throws wide open over the middle. Catch made midfield, breaking tackles is Harris. And the speedy one takes it inside the 30 to the 25-yard line. Second and seven, Hill a wide out. Breeze fires over the middle, that's caught. And fighting his way toward the... Welcome into the great Scott show. Hello. Everybody, whoo, man, what a weekend. Hello, everybody. I am happy to have you with me this morning. It is the great Scott show, the great sports callers, open think tank. The Saints absolutely demolish the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Whatever adjective you want to use, it's probably right. That was, I mean, that was that was like Adam Schefter might as well have just tweeted assault. My God, have you ever seen something so beautiful? <laughs> All right, look, I was wrong. I mean, I picked the Saints to win, but I was wrong. I said, man, NBC, they're, they're going to be the highest-rated game of the season. Regular season, it's going to be the highest-rated game of the regular season. They're good. They're excited about this one, and they were. And then suddenly it's 31 nothing, and they're like, what, what, what happened? What's going on? This isn't cool. This isn't how this was supposed to go down. And my guess is... A lot of people that weren't Saints fans or didn't have high betting interest probably said, okay, well, this one's over. Don't need to watch it. Holy cow. Sean Payton's play calling was phenomenal last night. We get on him at different times, but the, his utilization of the playbook last night was one of the best of his career. The passing game was perfection. Guys were open all over the field, from sideline to sideline, from end zone to end zone. I mean, Breeze was accurate, but it's not like he had to fit every, I mean, super accurate, but it wasn't like he had to fit everything into this extremely tight window. Wow. 
And when they had to run the ball, which they didn't have to do a ton because, you know, when guys are open all the time, they were able to run the football effectively against the best run defense in the NFL going into that game. The Saints ran for over 100. They ran for 138 yards in that one. 138. Between Taysom, Kamara, and Murray, those three guys uh, had like 130 between them. Or maybe a one, what, what, 135? Breeze, Hill, and Winston all had ESPN QB ratings, 135.2, 118.8, 116.7. Brady had 40.4. That was his quarterback rating. The QBR, 98.9 for Breeze, 100 for Taysom, 99.9 for Jameis, 3.8 for Mr. Brady. They ran the ball five times, one of which was a kneel down by Blaine Gabbard. That's not the victory formation, guys. When you're getting assaulted and you're losing by five touchdowns and you have to kneel just to end the game, no. That's not the victory. That's the white flag formation is what that is, which they might as well have just gone ahead and done that the entire second half because there was no way they were coming back in that one. Nope, they weren't playing the Atlanta Falcons. It was not a 25-point lead in the Super Bowl. It was the site of where this season's Super Bowl is going to be. And the New Orleans Saints last night, if you didn't think they were a contender before and you still don't, then you just don't want to believe. Oh, Scott, calm down. It's just one game. First of all, they were a contender before last night. And yes, it is just one game. So you don't suddenly have your secondary fix and some of the other things. But what you saw last night was a team that had a lot of their pieces. Most of their pieces. I mean, you look at the inactive list and you're not looking at any guys and saying, oh yeah, that's somebody that was going to be a big contributor. Too bad they can't play tonight. That was as put together as his roster's been for an entire game this season. And with a healthy roster, they just dominated. I mean, I expected a good game, and that was it was a great game if you like the Saints. That offensive game plan from Tampa Bay was absolutely atrocious. Absolutely atrocious. Another two-piece for Trey Hendrickson. He had two sacks. Remember when Bruce Arians referred to him as the easiest guy to block on their team? Remember when he said that after week one? Yeah? How you doing there, Bruce? Look, over the first eight weeks of the NFL season and the first seven games of the Saints season, you were like, man, what, what, what's up with this defense? Like, what is going on here? This team was supposed to contend, and they they just they look okay, but they're just narrowly getting by three-point victory here. They got to improve things. And then you saw what they did last night, and you got a glimpse of just how good they can be? Defending the bootleg with, with no problem. Breeze throwing it down the field. Emmanuel Sanders, Michael Thomas, Jared Cook. Alvin Kamara all in the game plan. Marcus Davenport, his impact on the D-line. David Onyemata getting a pick. Suddenly, Cam Jordan's not getting doubled and shipped nearly every play because you got Davenport back. Guess what? His impact is improving. What about the Bucs? They came into that thing. Oh, you got Chris Godwin. You got Mike Evans, which you knew. Okay, it's it's uh, Marshawn Lattimore's playing, so, you know. 
He's going to get hit. I think he got hit with a paternity suit before he left Florida last night because they had to, you know, basically see if he's Mike Evans' dad. Because when they play, Lattimore takes it personal, and that's bad news. Too bad he doesn't. The Saints just need to start making things up in Lattimore's head and every week just getting him convinced that the the opposing receiver he's going to be manned up against or for the most part have to be responsible for in a game, just go ahead and convince him that that guy did something to disrespect him. Brady threw for a whopping 209 yards. Look, you got a couple of early stops. You racked up early touchdowns. I mean, you fumbled on the second drive of the one, and in the end, it didn't even matter. The best defensive performance of the season by a mile for the Saints. The offense clicked on all cylinders. The play calling was fantastic. Just fantastic. Adam Troutman reels in his first touchdown catch. Saints secondary was great. Oh, that was great. That was great. Going into that game statistically, it's not like Brady was in the top half of the league in completion percentage, but the way many pundits were talking about Brady and Breeze, you would have figured, oh, well, Brady's got to be the one that's number one in the league, and Breeze has got to be in the back half, right? Wrong. Not the case. Cool. That was... Woo! That was nice. That was nice. ESPN1420N.com. I mean, it, that that's that's how you try to gear up for a Super Bowl run to Super Bowl 45 at Raymond James Stadium at some point in the year 2021, whether it be February or later because of COVID, probably February. And look, I, I, I know that uh, a lot of folks want to get in on the phone line. We're going to have open phone lines a little bit later in the show. Going to talk some Raging Cajun football with head football coach Billy Napier in the next segment. Cajuns get the win Saturday against Arkansas State. Back in the top 25 of the AP poll. After our uh, af- after my conversation with Billy Napier at 7.15, we'll, uh, we'll open up phone lines to talk some Saints, some Cajuns, and uh, let the ESPN 1420 Nation have their say. Is that that's that for Saints fans? You look at the Peyton Breeze era, most enjoyable regular season games. 06 at Dallas, it was in prime time. They won 42 17, the Mike Carney three touchdown game. Part of it was, well, a lot of people didn't believe in the Saints. Our boy Jay Walker, those of you who've been listening to this station a long time, remember the Kool Aid game, right? Guy had, I, I was here. I, I, I mean, he probably still has some, some Kool Aid from that day. He said, I'll drink the Kool-Aid if the Saints win, but they're not going to win. And the next day we had the entire front lobby was just full of Kool-Aid. You guys came through. And he drank a bunch on the air and he got a stomach ache. It was funny. And at the same time, Jay was fine. But then in 09, Monday night football against the Patriots, they beat him down, beat Brady down. Brady was on the sideline again late at the end of the game. And then last night, man, and there have been some other ones, but that one last night, that's, that's as enjoyable as it gets. Don't move on to San Francisco yet. Enjoy this one. Savor it for a couple of days, Saints fans. We'll get to your phone calls later on in the hour. 
I promise you we'll open up the phone lines. I know some uh, a couple of lines lit up, but we got Rage Cajun head football coach Billy Napier joining me in three minutes. Cajuns, zero points in the first half, 27 in the second half. Everything seems to be working in the, uh, you know, when it comes to in-game adjustments, among other things. But how are they doing coming out in games early offensively? They've been, you know, getting off to slow starts. So we're going to chat with Coach Billy Napier about all that and more, getting the win, being in control in the West Division. Don't go anywhere. Great Scott show continues on this Monday morning right after this. When sports are going down in Acadiana. Boy, I hope the defense scores because the offense ain't. Get the latest with the ESPN 1420 app. Yeah, y'all know I usually call it and I have something positive to say. When something's going down, we'll tell you where it's at. Get the best sports talk by tapping that app. And the Scott Prather guy's kind of weird, huh? Give me back my son! The Great Scott Show on Sports Radio ESPN 1420. Back into the Great Scott Show, everybody. The Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. Louisiana's Raging Cajuns coming off of a 27-20 victory over Arkansas State at Cajun Field on homecoming Saturday. Ranked 25th in the AP poll. Joining us now, head football coach of Louisiana, Billy Napier. Good morning, Billy. Happy Monday. How are you? Yeah, we're doing good. We're doing good. I, uh, Certainly appreciate you having us on the show again this week. Every week, Coach. You know that uh, the invitation's always there for you. We appreciate you taking the time. Um, you know, we, we get to hear from you uh, on the, you know, a Zoom press conference right after a game, and you share some of your immediate thoughts. I know, you know, now I'm talking to you Monday about a day and a half, you know, almost two days later after the game ended. Has your opinion changed on anything kind of now that you've had some time to think about it, see a little bit of tape of how things unfolded in Saturday's win? Well, I, I would say this. I was uh, really, really proud of the effort um, that the players played with. You know, I thought overall we talked about playing our best game of the year when it comes to playing with effort. You know, I thought that we did that now. You know, certainly it was a unique day. Um, you know, they, they've got a really good team. You know, that team beat Kansas State. I know their record may not be as good as usual this year, but uh, really good personnel. You got to give them some credit. They, they Blake had his team ready to play, and uh, you know, we kind of felt that that it was going to be that type of day. You know, they uh, it's always a a fist fight uh, when you play Arkansas Arkansas State. Um, and Saturday was that type of day. But I do think we did a lot of things really, really well. You know, uh, really impressed with the players at halftime. Um, unbelievable leadership, um, togetherness, you know, really competitive spirit. You know, I thought we really handled things well. Defensively um, kept us in the game in the first half, you know, by forcing those guys to kick some field goals. They missed one. Um, until we kind of figured it out on offense. And, and I thought we had a great day in, the, in the, on special teams, uh, over 100 yards of hidden yardage in the game. So 
you know, I, I feel the same way I felt after the game, but I'm really proud of the way the team competed, uh, and I thought the staff did a terrific job at halftime. Uh, you, you said on the broadcast going into halftime, we're going to make adjustments. That's what we do. You've been strong in, in the second half of games this year, Coach. Some games you've, you guys have had uh, – it takes some time to get your footing uh, on the offensive side of the ball. What do you attribute that to maybe not so much adjusting and having success adjusting, but coming out in the game and not having the same feel for the game? Maybe feels the wrong word, but just not having as much success early in games as you have been once you make the in-game adjustments. No, I, I'm with you. You know, I mean, I think um... – you know, I'm not sure if we've – I think we've scored one going into Texas State. I know we had scored one touchdown in the first quarter. So, you know, it's something that we've been working on. Um, I do think that this this past week in particular, um, you know, they, they changed defensive coordinators a couple weeks ago. I thought the new coordinator had some really good wrinkles, especially in 12 personnel. Um you know, I know that's all real technical, but I do think that there were some things there that created some issues for us. And then, um, you know, eventually we got to the right stuff. But, you know, and then at times we can execute much better. So, um, you know, I, I think that it's a, it's a combination of a lot of things, you know, and, and we've been working really hard on it. Um, it's something that we have evaluated, self-scouted, quality control for a long time now. So, I do think that uh, we're getting better, and uh, that's that's a good thing. Uh, did, did Arkansas State early on in that game defensively really commit a lot to trying to stop the run, or was it uh, a little more – put it this way, maybe not – am I oversimplifying that? No, I think you're – no, I think it's that's a, that's a simple way to put it. Uh, they played in a different structure is the main thing. A um, little bit bigger people uh, in the game, you know, match match the grouping and then played a, a structure that they hadn't played in the past. So some of the things you have planned um, don't necessarily work out the way that you thought. But, you know, I, I think overall you got to give them credit. They played really hard. They had a good plan. They made it difficult for us. Uh, they made us adjust, uh, and that's been something that, you know, I think we take tremendous pride in. I think the players understood what was going on, why it was happening, and the staff did a good job of kind of getting it fixed. Um, and um, there was no question, you know, they had something to do with it. ESPN1420.com. I know fans, um, they were focused maybe somewhat on what you guys were unable to do in the red zone early, but I, I want to ask you about the other side of it. Defensively, your defense's performance in the red zone, uh, particularly in the first half, ended up making a big difference in that ball game. How much of that was just? I mean, how, how much do you give to, to credit to Coach Tony and the game plan and being able to keep the Red Wolves off the board in some cases, where it looked like they might get some points, or at the very least, having to settle for three instead of seven. Well, that that was the difference in the game. You know, I thought we won the four-point plays in the red zone, and you know, they missed the field goal. We made them kick um, a handful of others. Uh, we did a really nice job on on third and fourth down in the game. Uh, we got two takeaways, so I mean, it, it was uh, bend but don't break um, kind of mentality. We eliminated number nine from the game. He's, he's an elite player. 
Uh, we forced them to be patient and go the distance. Uh, and eventually they stalled out in the red zone and were forced to, to kick field goals. Or they forced some throws um, that caused them to you know stall out or turn the ball over. So it was a well-thought-out plan and certainly well-executed. Um, you know, and then you combine that with the kicking game. I thought we we had 110 yards of hidden yardage in the game. So I, I think that it was a good team win. You know, we had 340 yards of offense in the second half. You know, I was joking with the players yesterday. Hey, I thought we don't wait around and let's put two halves together where we got 340 yards. So, you know, we, we left some points out there. We missed the field goal. We had fourth and one right before the half there and got stopped, um, you know, uh, but it, it is what it is. The Cajuns are six and one, um, you know, we're, we're in position, we're relevant. Um, it's November and uh, we're in contention and that, that was our intentions in the beginning. And here we are. Head football coach, Billy Napier, our guest Cajuns can uh, win the Sunbelt West this Saturday. Uh, going back to the offense coach, a big play, uh, when Levi Lewis hit Peter LeBlanc, it felt like the offense kind of opened up after that point. From that point on, uh, the rhythm was there. It just it, it seemed like things were working. You mentioned the adjustments. Uh, what, you know, you, I, I think I heard you mention Ryan O'Hara, the assistant quarterbacks coach, having a big being a big part of that process in terms of that specific play. Can you can you just touch on that play a little bit and and what a play like that can do to an offense that might be kind of stuck in neutral and suddenly starts clicking? Yeah, no question. I mean, it was, um, we had a, you know, we have um, great input from all of our staff in terms of the game plan. Um, you know, each member of our offensive staff, you know, GAs, quality control, um, to go along with the assistant coaches have defined areas in the plan where, um, they're responsible for doing the research and meeting with me. Um, and Ryan actually, you know, he's in charge of stacks and bunches. And uh, he found a tendency and, and kind of drew up a play to take advantage of that tendency. You know, we had it in a certain section of the game plan, and that situation came up. It was the lead call, and, you know, we got what we, we thought we would get and, um, you know, created a lot of momentum for us there. Uh, we were a little behind the chains there with second and long and um, well-designed and, and uh, well-executed. Coach Billy Napier, Rage Occasion Head Football Coach, our guest, ESPN1420N.com. I'm Scott Prather. Neil Johnson, your, uh, your sophomore tight end, who I know missed games early in the season, uh, his presence felt from a, a reception standpoint, it was his most productive day of his, uh, of his young collegiate career. But uh, this, is he... You know, you you've spoke about the tight ends. It's again, it's one of those things that that fans love to bring up a lot. And you say, look, we, we we're going to throw it to the tight end when they're open, when it fits into the game plan. But we're not doing anything differently than we did a year ago. In terms of tight end personnel, does Johnson bring something a little different to the table than the other tight ends, whether it be Lumpkin or Meagle or Bergeron, do that perhaps would lead to more receptions for him, or was it simply how the game played out on Saturday? No, we, we um I think Neil's a, a mismatched player. You know, Neil's a very unique player. He's a former receiver, um, as a junior in high school and then, you know, made the transition to quarterback actually as a, a senior. We kinda projected him as a tight end. 
saw him in some of these satellite camps and um, didn't really have any evidence that the guy could play uh, tight end. We felt like his body type and his skill set would fit. Uh, he did play a little bit of tight end in spring practice before his senior year. We had that footage. We felt like he had the you know toughness uh, and physicality to make the transition. Um, and Nils, you know, he, he played last year as a true freshman. Um, he's always been a guy that we viewed as a as a potential mismatch player that could really create some issues for the defense. And Saturday was one of those days where we were able to take advantage of that. So, you know, I think each week, you know, um, the matchups and the, the checkers and the, are a little bit different. And um, certainly Neil is a guy that we hope continues to improve as a player, uh, more dependable, more accountable uh, as he grows up and, um, you know, continues to be a part of our offense. Rage Cajun head coach Billy Napier, our guest. On the defensive side of the ball, coach, how would you uh, grade your, your run defense to this point in the season? Well, I think it, you know, I think it, it is, um, you've got to keep everything in context, if that makes sense. You know, I think we played two option teams. Um, I think we also, Saturday, we decided that we were going to give them the running game, you know. Uh, every one of those runs they had Saturday called, there was three guys running pass patterns. So, you know, we're, we're forcing them to hand it off and then trying to get them on the ground, you know, a little bit of a chess match there. So um, I think that the, the fits have been better. Um, you know, I think at times early on, uh, we weren't fitting them as well. We felt like that um, we, we needed to, um, strike blockers better, be more decisive in our fits, um, push the pile, not back tackle. You know, we've been working on uh, inventory of things, but I do think it's an area where we need to improve, uh, and we have gotten better. Um, and it'll be important going forward. You know, I think uh, Saturday, I think they had five explosive plays on the day. So when you take that offensive group and you limit them to five explosives, You've done a really nice job. Eric Gare, another interception. Uh, this young man, you know, came in as a freshman from Mobile, wasn't highly recruited around the country because of his, he, he, he stole me that, and he said as much. You know, he feels like his height was part of it. Maybe folks overlooked him. But he's been a contributor his entire career for you guys. And three interceptions in the last two games, uh, a big one. After, you know, Levi Lewis has the big touchdown run, and on the next possession, Garrett picks it off. That's where the momentum in the game, to me, those two plays really shifted all the momentum all at once. For Eric Garrett, just that young man and what he means to your football team, Coach. Well, Eric's um, Eric's a competitor, you know. Um, the guy is a consistent practice player. Um, you know, he's a guy that's got, he's got some intelligence. He's very engaged, uh, very attentive, you know, all the time. You know, he's, he's a guy that, um, from the minute he got here, you knew he was going to be a factor. So he's improved as a player. He really has become a polished player there. Coach Morgan has done an exceptional job with him over the last two years. Um, you know, I think, he may be small, but um, his instincts, his initial quickness, and his ability, his ball skills. The guy was an offensive player uh, in high school as well. You know, he's become a heck of a punt returner also. So, 
I think he's got confidence, um, and certainly, you know, he's been huge uh, at times for our team this year. I love his energy, and I love how he affects people around him. Um, you know, Eric's, Eric's a big part of what we've been able to do here. He's a part of that first class when he first arrived. Coach Napier, our guest, ESPN fourteen twenty. You've you've brought up special teams a number of times uh, in the last fifteen minutes, Coach, and about winning. You felt good about winning that battle and all the hidden yards. Uh, you did have one missed field goal uh, by Nate Snyder, and then Kenny Amendares came in and he kicked two uh, pretty solidly and and was two of two from field goal range. What's the plan moving forward now? I know you've, you you like open competition, but do you feel like Kenny now has a leg up there on the depth chart? What what is the plans for the uh, the field goal situation moving forward? No, we'll 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 go back and let him compete some more. You know, I mean, I think um, you know, feel every time I think a lot of people want to put field goal kicker in like a different context, but you know, it's no different than if you got competition at other positions. Uh, where it's very evenly matched, you know, you're going to evaluate what you see in practice uh, and make the decision in the best interest of the team, and that's what we'll do this week as well. You know, do you think that sometimes, like you've coached football a long time, you played it, are there some guys that are just, and I'm not even specifically just talking about kicking position, just in general, are there players that just are are somehow better on game day than they are in practice and vice versa. I know that's not necessarily as common as maybe fans make it out to be, but is, is there some substance to that, I guess, uh, common fan uh, saying or, or analysis when it comes to football? No, I, I, I completely disagree with that statement. I mean, I think that practice, ultimately practice performance is game day reality, you know, so – what you do on that practice field, um, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything, right? So I'm evaluating uh, every decision they make. You know, can they get their butt out of bed and go to breakfast check? Can they make it to class on time? Are they at their tutor appointments? Are they, um, you know, dressed the right way? You know, um, anything and everything. Can they make it to treatment on time? Are they wearing the right shoes and the team lift. Um, you know, I, I think that the best players I've been around, they do it the right way all the time. And um, if there's some talented guys out there that are productive on game day uh, that maybe we get caught up in and wild by, but sometimes those guys aren't performing to their potential uh, because they don't have enough self-discipline, you know, in how they live their life or go about their business. So, uh, the truly elite ones, they're doing it right all the time, and that includes in practice. Coach Billy Napier, I guess. You know, to echo that sentiment, Coach Khalif Gossett, we spoke to him, I think, last Wednesday, and <clears throat> I asked him about, you know, I said, look, Coach Coach said that you've grown up a lot off the field as well as on it. You know, what, what, do, you, what, what do you think that's about? And he said, look, it's just about practice, being on time, and, and just being detailed in everything I do in my life, and it's an area that – you know, I've worked hard in, and as a result, you know, you start to see results on the field as well. So the entire synergy of all of it, Coach, right, you truly believe that how you do every little detail in life is going to impact how you play on Saturday. Well, I think we're doing them a disservice if we if we don't make it that way. You know, I think that uh, these guys are young men. You know, they got a long way to go as people, you know, 
I told him Friday, if we made it easy on you, we're doing you a disservice. You know, we want it to be hard here. We want it to be tough, structured, routine. Uh, we want it, you know, to be a challenge. Uh, we want them to be uncomfortable. Um, and I think that's the only way that they're going to get better and grow. Uh, and the good ones, they like it. You know, um, they embrace routine and discipline and structure, and, and they see the benefit of that. Uh, and the ones that don't like that, um, you know, it may or may not be for them here. You know, so um, we got a group right now that is uh, 100% in and trying to do it the right way. I've been really impressed with this team um, in terms of the way they work um, and the way that they're, uh, you know, willing to change and willing to make necessary changes to improve as people as much as players, you know, so. Um, you know, I think it's one of the reasons we're not, we've been able to find ways to win is we got a tough-minded group, you know, that can handle the ups and downs. Um, you know, Saturday was our fifth game where we got to come from behind in the second half. Now, I know we don't like that, but uh, I think it speaks to the intangibles of this group, this 2020 team. No doubt, uh, Cajuns, with the win on Saturday and now – once again, ranked in the top 25, and, you know, Coach, you've told us in the past, if you get too caught up in a number next to your name, it really doesn't mean anything. It's, you know, you can you can start to kind of take your eye off the ball, so to speak. So now being ranked again in one of the polls, is that something that's discussed at all with the team? Is it is it brought up at all, or is it just business as usual? Well, we, we play South Alabama at 1 o'clock Saturday, and um, it's November – and um, it's a Sunbelt West Conference opponent, uh, and they've got a heck of a team. And, you know, I mean, you talk about big, fast, uh, physical, and much improved from the previous two years, in my opinion. I think Coach Campbell's done a really good job there. Uh, this will be one of the more impressive teams that we played, despite the record, you know. Um, so we're, we're working hard on that challenge. And, um, you know, I think that's where we got to make sure our focus and attention is. All right. Uh, you answered that one. Coach Billy Napier has been our guest. Uh, just one more Rage Cajun football for you, Coach. Uh, from a health standpoint, how did you guys come into that one? Do uh, you feel good about where you guys are currently? Yeah, we had no major issues coming out of the game. You know, I think uh, Mark Hockey's done a terrific job given the dynamic that we trained in. You know, I think we've held together pretty good. Uh, certainly Pat Richards is working 24 seven, 365, you know, those guys are uh, really good at what they do and take tremendous pride in their role. Um, so, you know, I, I think uh, it's that time of the year, you know, we're working hard in those areas. Uh, I think everybody's a little banged up at this point in the season. So uh, we got to work our way through it during the week and uh, be prepared on Saturday when it counts. Coach Billy, what do you do on Sunday with the family when you when you're not working? When you have a little time, do you do you get to watch a little football, or are you just you know playing games with the kids? Maybe hide and seek. What's what's the Napier Sunday family plan when you're at home? Well, this Sunday was a little bit of unique. Um, we had uh, Annie Joe had uh, soccer. One of her games had gotten moved um, to Sunday morning out of town, um, so. Uh, I actually 
you know, got into the office a little early Sunday because as a result, but uh, they were up and moving early uh, Sunday and, and went to Acadiana for a soccer tournament. So I didn't get a ton of time with them, but typically, you know, it's been a little bit unique this year because of COVID-19, but, you know, we spent a lot of time together, obviously, you know, a lot of times um, going to church, um, brunch, uh, hanging around the house, whatever the case may be. Uh, certainly this year has been a little bit different than years past, but uh, it is one of the times of the week where we get a chance to spend some time together for sure. Good stuff. And and do you ever do you ever play hide-and-seek with your kids? Yeah, back in the quarantine, man, we played every day. That's, you you know? got to, right? I mean, I, um, I know that feeling. Dude. <laughs> You got you find a good spot, and uh, at some point you got you got to get their mind on something else. Coach, uh, look, no I always doubt. always appreciate the time on Monday mornings. Congrats on the win. Uh, best of luck this week. I know we'll be talking to you via some Zoom press conferences this week, but uh, always appreciate you coming on here every week for a one on one. All right, Scott. Thank you, man. All I'll right. see you around. Thank you. For education head football coach. Billy Napier, good stuff from him. And, uh, you know, to note there just a few minutes ago, he said no major injuries coming to that one. They feel good from a health standpoint, from a roster standpoint. I mean, that they, they are in as good a shape as they've been this season as they uh, get ready here for the last quarter of the season. But, you know, they're, they're, they're going to win the West, probably lock it up on Saturday, but they're going to win the Sun Belt West. And then you got that Central Arkansas game, and then suddenly it's, I mean, late post Thanksgiving is going to be nuts. You got ULM, then you got App State on a Friday, then you've potentially got two weeks later, probably a Sun Belt Conference Championship game, and then maybe a bowl game just a short time after that. A lot of football. You remember when the, they were like three and zero, getting ready for the Coastal game, and 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 how often that thing got moved around and post hurricane, and it's like, man, they've only played three games this year. It feels like the game, the season's been going on forever, and now, just like that, they played four more, seven games into this thing, and it's like these last four have gone by so quickly. And the win over Iowa State, which is one hell of an impressive win, uh, still feels like a, a while ago, man. Lots happened since then. Iowa State got the win over Baylor over the weekend as well, by the way. Man, I wish they had won at Oklahoma State. Iowa State ranked 17th in the latest polls. When we come back, was some tragic news over the weekend. Former Raging Cajun player, an alum, really good player, passed away tragically. Give you the details on that when we come back in the next segment. And then... We'll open up some phone lines to the ESPN 1420 Nation. The Saints beat down. We have some Saints audio as well. Cam Jordan. What 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 questions stumped Cam Jordan? It's a post-game question. You rarely hear Cam Jordan kind of speechless, but there was one question that did it. Keep tuning in, and you'll hear that later in the show as well. It's the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather. Don't go anywhere, everybody. It's ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. We're right back right after this. The ESPN 1420 app is waiting for you to tap it. 
Listen to Louisiana Raging Cajun Sports, along with the best sports talk on the bayou. Tap that app. Let's go. Let's do it. The ESPN 1420 app, available for download in the iTunes App Store or Google Play. Now, more of The Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on Sports Radio ESPN 1420. Welcome back into The Great Scott Show, The Great Sports Caller's Open Think Tank. Coming at you on a Monday morning, your weather forecast from the Storm Team 3 Weather Lab and Daniel Phillips. Today, partly sunny, a high of 82. Tonight, partly cloudy and a low of 65. Uh, Vehicle accidents uh, being reported. A vehicle accident at 2627 Mill Street uh, and a uh, vehicle accident with injuries just being reported uh, two minutes ago on the corner of Rue Scholastic and Mills Street. So uh, be careful. And if you're around that area, you might want to uh, to take a different route. I know Rue Scholastic also had uh, traffic control there as well back at 725. So having some issues there. Stay safe on the roads, everybody. And before we uh, open up phone lines and, and dig a little bit more into everything that's happening and uh, the Saints and the Cajuns and a, a, a big weekend in football. Um, you know, started getting word yesterday morning that former Raging Cajun uh, defensive back, then wide receiver Al Riles had passed away. Um, Al was, I mean, Al was a really good player. And. You know, he was the uh, first member of his family to graduate from a four-year university, criminal justice degree, uh, got into some NFL mini camps, training camps, uh, just a really talented guy. You know, we talked to him a good bit on the media a lot. Um, and when he was in school, was he was fun to cover. And uh, Al, you know, unfortunately... You know, I, I think it, it had been a rough year for him and uh, was, according to, you know, I know that uh, nothing officially has been announced, but in talking to um, more than one individual close to the situation, uh, Al was shot and killed Saturday night. I shot four times in uh, the Dallas area. And, you know, I know he had a daughter. I know he's got a lot of, close friends that he played with, his family, his mom. Um, I just, it's just tragic. There's just no other way to say it. It's just sad and it's tragic. And my thoughts and prayers go out to uh, to his family. It's kind of hard. I mean, I, I just, life's short, man. Life's short, and I uh, I hope all you guys can join us in praying for uh, for for Al's family, Al Damian Riles, but everyone knew him as Al around here, originally from Covington. So uh, thoughts and prayers for him. We're gonna we're gonna take an early break here, and uh, we're gonna start the eight a.m. hour a little earlier than we normally would because I. I don't really want to transition into 
uh, a breakdown of something that happened in the world of sports or anything like that. Um, you know, it, it just doesn't feel right right now. So we'll take a quick timeout. We'll come back. We'll open up phone lines. We'll have a uh, an extended hour number two of the show and talk about the uh, the Saints win over the Bucks. Cajuns win. We could talk Notre Dame, Clemson, among other things that happened in the world of college football and a lot more. Don't go anywhere. It's the Great Scott Show, ESPN 1420.com. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, the handle at ESPN1420. Reach out and tweet us wherever you are. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. On ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. Yes, sir. To the great Scott show, the great sports callers, open think tank. Phone lines are open for you this hour. Indeed, they are. How about them Saints, y'all? Stadium site of the Super Bowl in February. Off the 35-yard line, they start this drive. Big, big hole for Camara. JPP in his 11th season started his career course with the Giants. Murray is the back. Breeze again, great protection. Throws, and that will be caught. That's Adam Troutman for the touchdown. So I mean, the Troutman, the rookie out of Dayton, he put a move on the DB. Went up and got it. Saints connecting on, uh, what, 12 different receivers, 12 different players, rather, caught a ball last night. It was as thorough a beatdown as you will see. We got post-game audio from Alvin Kamara, Cam Jordan, among others. We got open phone lines at 269-1077, 269-1077. You see, the Saints, you felt like depth-wise, had the talent to be this good, but never just hadn't done it at all this year. And it's not to say that they're certainly not going to play that good of a game every single week, but holy cow, they did last night. And it was the first time that they had their entire offense intact. First time since week one. And the first time in the week, I mean, they, they had Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders the last couple of weeks. But that's not the only reason. Shout out to the offensive line. While Breeze was, uh, while Brady was messed with most of the night and played horrendous and got knocked on his back and suffered the most lopsided loss of his professional career and got swept by a divisional opponent for the first time in his career and got picked off multiple times again. He's thrown seven picks this year, five against the Saints, and looked like a guy going into that game that was in the back half of the league in completion percentage because he was while Breeze has gone into 
two different environments on the road in windy conditions the last two weeks and just been absolutely fantastic dealing with shoulder inflammation. I'm just giving y'all facts. I mean, I'm, these, I'm, I'm giving you my opinion at times. These are just facts. But this team, man, the offensive line, shout out to them. Because make no mistake, even without Vita Vey, who they lost last month, can uh, Tampa Bay's defense is good. Their secondary is their secondary is not great, but their front seven is really good, and they are able to get after the quarterback, and they're able to shut down the run. Saints rush for a buck thirty-eight. Drew Brees had a clean pocket most of the night, with one exception when he fumbled it, got hit from behind. The offensive line played very well. And Breeze, when he's that quick and that accurate with his decisions, I mean, they, a dozen different players caught a ball last night. Breeze connected with 11 of them. One of them was the fullback, Burton, who caught a pass from Jameis Winston. Jameis. Jameis eating the W. I love it. Hey, man, well, you can laugh at yourself, have fun. That was great. Michelle Tafoya talking to Breeze postgame. Jameis just eats the W. Alvin Kamara, who put up a yawning emoji after the game. That's ice cold. Didn't have a ton to say last night to the media, but uh, got right down to it. You see it, what it looks like. It's poetry in motion where you get going like that, so... It just makes it, everybody's job a little bit easier. And, um, I mean, big win. Next question is from Catherine Terrell. Um, definitely one of the biggest wins in years, but is, based on all the Instagram lives, is that one of the best post-game locker room celebrations y'all have ever had? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, every time we win, we go up. So, uh, But it was just, I mean, it was, it was definitely a big, big, big win. Next question is from Luke Johnson. Elvin, was there – I know you all treat every game importantly, but what on the team of how important the game was, just considering where you and Tampa are in the standings right now and, and with only eight games to go? Uh, it's important. Um, you know, it's a, a division opponent. Um, swept them. Uh, did, it, did it with, with, with grace. Um, I mean, it was, it was, it was great. All right, so there is there is uh, there is Alvin Kamara now. Cam Jordan, you heard you heard our boy Luke Johnson there asking a question, and my friend Luke asked Cam a question. I swear I've never seen Cam speechless. He was speechless for a moment. Check this out. All right, we have Cam Jordan. First questions from Luke Johnson. Cam, uh, what's the celebration like for the D-line group after uh, one of your own gets a pick, especially when when David Onyemata gets to say he got an interception off of Brady now? For the record, that's not the question, but it's coming up in a minute. Man, I mean, the fact that, you know, Marcus got a, got his hand on the ball and it tipped my way and I got, I like got two two fingers on it. I was like, oh, I need more than that. And then, you know, David Onyemata comes in with the, with the, uh, the pick. He probably headed to the numbers, but he headed towards us. Uh, but I, I immediately – just super excited for my guy. I mean, the way that he ran to the ball, and then I was like, hey, I was like, we headed to the cam, baby. I was like, we're not even headed to the regular end zone. We got to go to the cam. 
And I thought I, I thought the water was a little bit more slippery than it was going to be. In my mind, I wanted to hit the little penguin slide, but I was like, mm, that doesn't, you know, like, the ground just was too dry. So I had to hit a little major roll. My, my roll looked sweet, though. It was planned and perfect. So I wanted to, huh, but it just wasn't wet enough to slide. Uh, but it's that's a huge play for us. And, I mean, uh, honestly, I mean, we started off the game with pressure on Brady. I think I, I think got a hand on his elbow. I was trying to go for the ball. Um, and it, it really just took off from there. You talk about – you know, David Onyemata played his plays. Got to keep PG. Played his butt off, <laughs> as well as you know Trey Henderson. Uh, in my mind, should have had two or three sacks. I mean, he had a sack which was taken away by a penalty. Uh, er- er- erroneous flag came from nowhere. Whatever that is. Uh, the next play, uh, I thought I sacked him, but Trey sacked him. I was like, look, I was like, Malcolm had a sack. I had a sack. Trey had a sack. And then they were like, Trey had two sacks. Malcolm had a sack. And I was like, oh. But I could have swore I bombed him. Okay. <laughs> and, and at the end of the day, it's about this win. I mean, our job was to get Tom Brady off the spot. And I mean, we all know he gets that ball off hot. Uh, even as we were hitting him, as we were getting hands on him early and often, um, he's still the second greatest quarterback for, for a reason. I mean, he's getting that ball off hot. Next one's from Doug Mouton. Cam, I'll look back at. Wait, did, did you catch that? Did you catch what Cam said just there? That's why he's the second greatest quarterback ever. And then you don't see it, but visually, Cam Mouse. At Tom Brady's quarterback ratings, and I think this was his worst quarterback rating in a game in 17 years. Uh, how, how good would you say it was overall on defense today? I, I'm guessing it can't get much better than that, right? Uh, I mean, we had a lot of things going our way. I mean, from, from jump, we were uh, getting pressure again early and often. Um, if you want to go through that last sequence I just gave you. <laughs> um, but honestly, um, kudos to the D-line. Shout out to the, the DBs. Um, everybody had their hands involved. I mean, we knew, again, we knew if we get them off the spot, uh, we got them out of running the ball early. Uh, what they, I don't know what they ended up running the ball for, but nine times. All right. Huh. Well, nine yards. Not, oh, I, look, I was like nine attempts. Yeah, I was like, there, uh, we didn't see much run, but – Nine yards is even better. That's a, that's a hell of a stat right there. Um, you know, shut down the run. You get to have some fun. And we had a whole lot of fun tonight. Next one's from Luke Johnson. That's one, folks. Hey, Cam, uh, since I, kn- I know you are, uh, are somebody who's had fun with this before, what was it like getting a up-close and personal look at Jameis eating a W at the end of the game on camera? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, next question. I'm not answering. Oh. It left him speechless for a minute there. He couldn't even answer it. Oh, man. Jay, uh, it, 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 what's important is we got a dub. Um, and Jameis took some snaps. Uh, and, you know, he, he, finished, the, he finished the win. Uh, we were, hey, we, we wanted to pitch a shutout. We played our butts off. Um, and, you know, even for a team like that to score three points, uh, we know we'll see them again. So, honestly, we have to prepare uh, for this next game as soon as we can. Um, and if we do end up playing uh, the Bucks again, it'll be for something more important than what it is right now. There you go. We're going to hear some more audio later, including Michael Thomas, who Mike Triplett asked him not just about the game, but, hey, you know, what about – the suspension and about potential rumors of maybe your camp requesting a trade. You'll get to, uh, you'll get to hear all of that. ESPN 1420 and.com. Um, 
269-1077. Brian tweets, he says, are you going to discuss your uh, the blatant theft of your tweet? Sure. Sure. I put up a tweet last night at 820 that is um, done pretty good. It was humorous. I had an old video in my phone that I had been saving for a very long time of uh, Drew Brees stretching, but it, it looks sexual, only way to put it, but it's just a stretch. And I put live look at what Drew Brees is doing to the Tampa Bay defense. And there were a number of accounts, whether it be NFL memes or some other weekends, some account that, you know, accounts that have like over 100,000 followers that just stole it, just use it as their own. We could schemers, they took the video, but they actually just put the exact same tweet up. No retweet, no credit, nothing. And someone texted me last night, someone I, that not, doesn't work at the station, works in this building. They're like, man, are you seeing this? They're taking your stuff. I was like, bro, I don't even care, man. I am, I am just, there's nothing you could say to me right now during this game that could put me in a bad mood. Nothing. That game was just too enjoyable last night. ESP at 1420.com. All right, let's head to the phone lines. Good morning. Welcome into the show. How are you? How you doing, man? I'm great, dude. How are you? Hey, anytime that the Saints beat up on Brady, it's a good day. That was, they didn't just beat up on him, man. You're, you're being I, nice. There's some well, words you can't use on the radio. I know what you really want to say. You know, <laughs> I went through the schedule at the beginning of the year. After the Saints beat the, the Buccaneers the first time, I had this as a loss just because they were going to be away in Tampa Bay and they, uh, Tampa Bay was going to be, you know, better because of, you know, the growing pains. So I knew it would be a, lo- a tough, a tough road to hold. But man, when the, the defense was balling, I, I, I didn't know where that came from. I, they, were, yeah. they, were sitting, they were sitting a three man rush and getting pressure on them. Well, we, and, you know, talking to Scott Shanley on Friday, we said, look, there are two areas that are suspect for, for Tampa, right? It's the their offensive line and then their secondary. Now, their secondary, you know, has been aided by a, a, a great front seven. But I, I felt like, and I said this to Gus as well, I said, look, whatever team, you know, has the better pass rush is going to win this game. Now, I, again, I, I didn't think it was going to be a beat down like it was, but you said it, man. I mean, you look at the you look at the, the the trenches. The Saints offensive line was tremendous last night. Tremendous against a oh, yeah. really good front seven. And on the flip yep. side, between I mean Marcus Davenport just brings the, the, the D line to another level. Trey Hendrickson has multiple multi sack games. Cam Jordan had his best game of the season. Anya Mata is having a hell of a year. I mean, even Malcolm Brown got in there with a sack late. I mean, everybody was eating last night, but a healthy roster and an organized defense because I, we thought on paper this defense was going to be a lot better this year, and first seven games left a lot to be desired, especially in the secondary, but also up front with the pass rush. And it's like they went from, I don't know, I would say a C minus to like an A plus over like from week set from from their eighth from their seventh game to their eighth. Are they going to stay at an A plus? Probably not. I mean, that's as dominant a performance as yeah. we might see this season. But man. When you see that kind of potential, it's it's hard it's hard not to get excited, man. It really is. Well, they flipped the switch somewhere last night, and they were kicking on all cylinders. 
And they need to bring that forward, which I, I think they will. Will it be like last night? I doubt it. But, man, if they could have a half to three-quarters of what they had last night, they're going to be a formidable opponent. So, uh, you know, I was – me and my wife were watching it. I was just laughing the whole time. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. The last time – you know what this got, game reminded me of? What's that? You remember, you remember whenever the Saints beat, beat down – the Patriots in the Super Bowl year. Yep. And that look that Belichick and Brady had on their face was like, what the hell just happened here? Mm-hmm. That's what that's what he looked like last night because he was just he you know what what the hell was going on. I, I was worried about Bruce Arians' health. I mean that that that, that he just oh. he looked he looked like he was gonna he's <laughs> he, he looked like he wanted <laughs> it, to be was, anywhere else in the world. Okay. Well, by the first quarter, they 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 just broke their will. I mean, there was no two ways about. It. And then, thirty-eight to, to three, they could have beat them a lot more, worse than that. Oh sure, a lot sure. worse. The good old the good old the good old uh, the, the good old mercy kneel down to where you give the ball back to the other team, and it's not the victory formation. It's just the yeah. The, it's just a white flag formation. All right, we're not. We're just we're gonna kneel and well, leave a, with our five touchdown. It's a glorious day. Hey. Cajun's one, Saints one. You have a good one. Thanks. Email from Roland. Scott, you and Saints fans need to calm down. It's one game. You're acting like they just won the Super Bowl. Uh, Roland, who hurts you, man? What are you dealing with? What's the matter? In the big picture, yeah, last night's game is history. It's done. But if, if, if you're a Saints fan and you can't enjoy that, what's the point? What's the point? Look, some of the close wins, they're not enjoyable. I mean, when the game ends, you're happy, and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm enjoying it now that it's over and they won. But an overtime win against Chicago, uh, uh, an overtime win against the Chargers where the guy doinks a kick, you know, all of those, the three-point win against Carolina, it's all nerve-wracking, and you're like, gosh, I, yeah. And you don't come out of those games, but when you have a performance like you had last night, yeah, I tweeted this last night. I said, look, Saints fans, wh- what is the last regular season win that was this enjoyable? And I said, look, there are a couple that come to mind. The Cowboys game in 06, the Jay Walker Kool-Aid game, where they went into Dallas on Sunday night football and, and beat down the Cowboys 42-17. And then the one the caller mentioned, beating the Patriots in 09. 06 in 09, it was both like... Are the Saints for real? I don't think they are, and a lot of folks just didn't think they could get the job done. This was very different. I mean, you're going 11 years and 14 years ago. Now the Saints have had a lot of success. They've won a Super Bowl. Now it's a very different feeling. It's not like the Saints had never done it before, but it's that that might have been Drew Brees' last primetime game ever, and if it was, it's a hell of a way to go out. Different feel. Yes, most folks picked the Bucks to win and they were favored, but it, w- it wasn't like anyone was like, yeah, and if they lose, the Saints are done. They can't do anything. That was just a complete and utter beatdown, man. Complete beatdown. ESPN 1420 and .com. Let's go back to the phone lines. Good morning. What's up, dude? Morning. Man, massive game right there. And, and, you can't even, you know, state how important that game was as far as the divisional race goes, playoff seating, and the utter beatdown. That I mean, was a whole forget, playoff game, both. to your point. I mean, I, yeah. We said that going into it. We said that last week. We said the winner of the game Sunday night 
is going to host the playoff game and the loser isn't because division, you right. got to win your division right. to do right. it. I mean, that was it. That was that, the division the, last night. The, the email that you just read out, that's false. That game was huge. And look, let's not forget, we, we fumbled the ball and lost it on their own one yard line. I know. You know, and, and that could have. That could have swung some momentum there early, only up 7 nothing. Then it's and another just, three and out, and Deontay Harris returns the ball to right. the 35 five plays later, and you're like, okay, right. all right. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, the game was over by the end of the first quarter. I, I Richard, mean, the game was over. The game, the game was over at opening kickoff. I mean, we didn't know it yeah. yet. We didn't know it yet, but it no. was over because that was just it was a, beat down. a three and out to start it, the game. You drive down the field. You score. Traquan, you know, keeping the feet inbounds, but it, it was the perfect storm in a lot what of ways. A catch, man, that Traquan Smith catch was unbelievable. It didn't look sexy, but trust me, that was a hard ball to catch. It kind of sailed on Drew a little bit. I don't know if the wind got to it, but l- let me tell you, that was that was not an easy catch, and he kind of made it look pedestrian right there. He, he kept um, his feet in. He didn't look down, but he knew where the he knew where the he knew the, where the, he needed to be. Yeah, unlike Dan Orlovsky, yeah. he knew the back of the end zone where the, where the out-of-bounds sure. markers started. Absolutely, absolutely. Fantastic sports weekend if you're a Cajun and a Saints fan. I mean, Cajun's back in the top 25 with, you know, the whole – everybody involved, Pac-12, you know, the, you know, everybody in. Cajuns are back in. It seems like the Cajuns, no matter what, they just play up, up or down to their competition. I've been saying this for a while now. So, I think, you know, USA coming in next week, I, I, I'm going to predict we win by seven to, to ten points. I really don't see us blowing anybody out. But, I, I, you know, this team's battle-tested. Uh, I, I don't care who you are on the other side. If, if, you're, if you have a lead on the Cajuns, doesn't mean the game's over because they're going to adjust. Obviously, they're one of the best teams at making second-half adjustments. Uh, Napier and the staff have, have proven that. But they're going to play up or down to whoever's across the ball from them. I, and I mean that. Um, but it's fun to be back in the top 25 with a conference loss. Back in the top 25, fantastic weekend, who that? Thanks, Richard. See, you know, you start off your Monday, it's just a good week. Good way to start off the week. Man. Man, oh, man. Our boy Troy, resident Dolphin fan, emailed. He was He's excited about the Dolphins win. Look, Troy, I was excited about the win, man. I'm trying to win a Survivor League and, and and some of my stiffest competition. For some reason, they decided to pick the Cardinals yesterday. Believe me, brother, I was rooting for the Dolphins yesterday. And, uh, and Tua looked really, really good. Dolphins are looking good. But nobody looked better yesterday than the Saints. Nobody. Period. And one thing I was wrong about, the... I, 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 well, I don't know if I was wrong yet, but I doubt that that was the highest rated NFL game of the season like I thought it was going to be. Because NBC execs, they were like that gif I sent out of Drew Brees in, in, in my tweet last night that went viral. That's how they were feeling going into that one. They're like, ooh, Brees, Brady, Antonio Brown back, Michael Thomas. Stars, this is going to be Buku ratings. And halftime is 31 to nothing. I mean, Collinsworth is sitting there just pleading for 
Well, you might not want to leave if there's any way, if there's any reason to keep watching, uh, you know, Brady. And then now Michael's there, but they were essentially like, if you can hear, I mean, if you were listening, their tone was suggesting like, yeah, just, it's probably not going to happen, but you know, just stay with us. Right. And if you had no dog in the hunt and, and no betting in, in, involved, then you weren't going to watch that. But if you were a Saints fan, you were watching every last second. Hey, speaking of Michael Thomas, haven't gotten to talk to him. Media hasn't gotten any access to him at all this season until last night. Shout out to Mike Triplett for uh, asking the questions that had to be asked, and uh, Thomas answered them, and a number of other questions about the game last night. Saints All-Pro wide receiver Michael Thomas after the win out there after being away for so long uh it felt great just to be out there with the guys and uh dominate the game on all sides of the ball i feel like from offense defense special teams we all contributed well to this big victory and um where we, it was a great time i'm lost for words next questions from mike triplett michael how have you uh sort of handled and, and channeled everything after that uh, one game suspension. Did you think that that was a fair punishment and, and how have you reacted to it uh, since? Um, yeah, you know, my emotions got the best of me in that situation and um, I've grown from that and um, I'm here to help my team win games and get to and finish the mission and win a championship. So I'm just here to contribute my value to the offense and my value to this team and help my guys win. And just to follow up, there was some speculation, not even necessarily reports, that you might have been interested in seeking a trade. Do you want to say anything to clear any of that up? No, I can't pay attention to any of that, man. I just rehab with my head down trying to get back to be out here to help my team. Next question's from Doug Mouton. Like when you have them sort of on their heels like that, the play calling rhythm, can you feel it out there in, you know, the first three or four series when sort of everything's going right? What, what does that feel like on the field when you know you've got them, you know, sort of guessing every play? Um, that's what we expect as an offense. That's the standard. Um, that's what we've been trying to play the past, the past six weeks. And, um, you know, unfortunately, I wasn't out there to help the guys, but I'm back out there and I'm, I'm trying to do my job to the best of my abilities. And, we're all complimenting each other, and we're all trying to just move the change and be aggressive. We have a great uh, head coach and Sean Payton who calls tremendous plays. Every play called tonight was working, so as long as we protect the ball, um, we're going to be a dominant offense for sure. Next one's from Amy Just. You and Elvin led the way with five catches each, but 12 different guys caught one pass today. Like, how good is that for all y'all when all of you are getting the chance to contribute? Credit to the front office for um, surrounding us around great talent, putting those guys, bringing those guys in the building, um, plugging them in our offense and just having a role for them. Sean Payton's great with drawing up plays and, and getting guys the ball and knowing what they're really good at and what they're capable of. So we're just all, we're just shoving it all together and um, coming out trying to execute every drive. Last questions from Luke Johnson. Hey, Mike, uh, how good was it to see Taysom uh, kind of get going and, and basically you know, all those different ways tonight, throwing the ball, running the ball, catching the ball? Um, that's what he does, man. That's what he does. That's, that's, that's the reason why we extended him. Um, that's the reason why we put the ball in his hand because he's a dominant player. Um, he just every, It seems like every time I get on the field with him, he just finds a way to do something like again and again and again. I love playing with him, and he's excited to watch. There you have it, Michael Thomas, and uh, everything he had to say 
to the media post game. You know, Thomas usually doesn't say a ton in in those situations in those settings, but uh, you know, he's he's ready to move on, get past it, and five catches last night for him. I mean, once he gets going, you can tell he's still kind of working on things from an injury standpoint. Once he gets going, Saints are in a good spot here. As many close games as you win, it's better to win them, and. Hopefully they can be playing their best ball in January, but last night they played their best ball of the season in one of the best games and performances of the Peyton Breeze era. And yes, in the in the context of the bigger picture, the game is over. It's done. But if that was the last prime time game for Drew Breeze, 26-32 for 222 yards, four touchdowns, only 222. Well, he had a number of short fields last night due to some Tampa Bay turnovers. Brady, 22 of 38, 209 yards, three picks, no touchdowns. Worst loss of his illustrious career. The Saints scored four of their first five drives. Touchdowns. Would have been five if Cook hadn't fumbled at the goal line. Probably would have been five. Jameis Winston got to play. Thomas Morstead punted one time. What a game, man. What a game. We'll dig more into that, what it really means moving forward. And some of the doubts you had this season, do you still have them? Other snap judgments from the NFL Week 9. Number of things to dig into. Seahawks went to Buffalo, and no one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. The Steelers... They almost lost to Dallas. It would have helped me out in my Survivor League. But why nothing about that game was actually a surprise. We'll dig into that as well. Cajuns with their victory over Arkansas State. How about those wheels, man? How about the wheels on Levi? Mitchell goes in motion. Empty backfield. Lewis on a quarterback draw to the 30. 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Louisiana. Jay Walker on the call along with Gerald Broussard. More of that coming your way as well. Plus open phone lines at 269-1077. Don't go anywhere. It's ESPN 1420.com. I'm Scott Prather coming to you live from the Roofing Louisiana ESPN 1420 studio. We're back after this. Sets them up just outside the 10. Speaking of Winston, he's now with the Saints and backs up Breeze at second down and 10. Breeze under pressure, throw, 
throws and reaching for it is Emmanuel Sanders for the touchdown. Tampa's first first down, and that pass is to Tyler Johnson. Maybe the one guy to get him started is a rookie. Look out, and it's picked off, and he's Yamaka, the lineman, the defensive lineman who comes up with it. Al Michaels. It's uh, Al, you're, you're good at what you do, man, but it's David Onyemata. And it's Onyemata, the defensive lineman that got it. Oh, man. That was fun. ESPN1420.com. Welcome back into the great Scott Show, everybody. The great sports callers open Think Tank. I'm Scott Prather. Traffic update for you. Uh, stalled vehicle currently on a corner of Acadian Hills Lane in uh, the uh, I-10 Highway. Police are there assisting. And it uh, looks like a lot of the traffic and accidents from the 7 o'clock hour have been uh, cleaned up. ESPN 1420.com. Phone lines are open at 269-1077. You can tweet the show as well, at ESPN1420. That's the handle. So, over the weekend, we talked Cajuns in hour number one a good bit, visited with Coach Napier. If you missed it, you can always hear my shows on demand, whether it be on Spotify, Anchor, or a number of other podcasting platforms. Go subscribe. Check it out. If you missed the one-on-one I had with Coach Napier, a lot of good insight in there. He answered you know, a number of questions, um, and uh, if you just want to go back and hear any of what we discussed. In the first hour, we can do that as well. Other football games over the weekend, not involving the Cajuns or not involving the Saints. I think Seattle's loss at Buffalo, you figured, okay, well, they got Carlos Dunlap. That can help out their pass rush a little bit. Jamal Adams is back. Oh, yeah, Scott, but they're having to travel west to east. Well, no team has actually been better traveling west to east than Seattle. Last nine, they hadn't lost, and yet they go to Buffalo in the Bills. I mean, Josh Allen. Josh Allen looked – he maybe has never looked better than he did against Seattle's defense. And Josh Allen takes a lot of heat from folks, even though he's pretty good and has had a solid season, inconsistent at times, but he's definitely had his best season – I mean, Allen was out there doing whatever he wanted. And Seattle's deficiency is their defense. Russell Wilson, two picks, turned it over a number of times. Former Saint A.J. Klein was having a career day. And you can look at the defense and say, oh, Seattle's got a problem. But they also turned it over four times. Four times. Buffalo's defense was a big part of that. Buffalo, by the way, didn't turn it over once. Seattle is still going to win a lot of their shootouts. Consider they lost by 10, but they were minus four in the turnover department against a seven and two team on the road. And they only lost by 10. So it was a, a, it was a loss that brings them back down to earth a little bit, but I still maintain they're one of the contenders in the NFC. That was a big one yesterday. That was a big one yesterday, but Baltimore, 
You know, Baltimore in the really, really big games, like really big games, Chiefs, Steelers, they don't get it done. But in the, like, you could say the game yesterday against the Colts was a big game. It was a bigger game for the Colts than it was for the Ravens. Like, you had a tier of of 1A games, and you had a tier of, you know, B games and then C games. The Ravens-Colts was, like, top of the list for B games. But, like, they don't have another one until they play the Steelers on uh, – Jeez, what are they? They're playing on um, Thanksgiving night, I think. That is a big moment for them. But, like, Baltimore's playing the Patriots next week. They'll win that game. They'll probably beat the Titans. Then they play the Steelers. Baltimore could very well go 13-3 and this year but be on the road to start the playoffs because Pittsburgh's undefeated. And if you're freaking out because they almost lost to the Cowboys, and believe me, I wanted them to, Okay. Because, I, again, I'm in a Survivor League. It would have been nice for me. It really wasn't a surprise how that game played out. The Steelers are a team that 100%, unless it's the Browns, who they just beat up. I mean, when they play the Browns, they're just, they own them, period. But they're a team that traditionally plays to their competition Big Ben is a guy that's like, it's all right, whatever, we'll figure it out. We're down, we're not playing good now, sorry, we'll just, we'll figure it, we'll come back late, it's fine. Like Pittsburgh, they're not going to run away with the next week against Cincinnati. Bengals are going to give them a good game. But the Steelers will win, and they'll keep winning, and they're likely going to procure a one seat. But that, the way that unfolded yesterday in Dallas was not a surprise at all. In fact, as a road favorite, Pittsburgh has been awful against the spread. Horrendous. The Cowboys, by the way, are the worst team against the spread this year. That was the first game this year. Not that, you know, many of you probably don't care about the spread. I mean, the Cowboys lost by five. That was the first game this year that they covered the spread. First one this year. Pittsburgh is a 14-point favorite? No. As a double-digit favorite under Mike Tomlin, they just they traditionally have not been good. So, that again, the game was not a surprise. That is not one to overreact to at all. It's not. It's not. And as far as the Saints-Bucks game, oh, should you overreact or not? I, I think you can overreact in regards to Tampa Bay. Like, if you think suddenly Tampa's just going to start falling and going down, 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 I don't think that's going to happen. Now, when they play the Chiefs, you know, they're going to have some problems. They're going to lose another game in there. They, they have a Monday night game against the Rams. That could be a, a tight game that they lose. But overall... Tampa Bay's still going to be in the playoffs. They're just going to be on the road to start the playoffs because they lost last night. I'm sorry. They got the hell beat out of them last night. That's probably a better way to do it. Probably a better way to put it, right? ESPN 1420.com. I mentioned the Dolphins win over the Cardinals. That was a show-me game for both teams. And, you know, I the, the Dolphins, that was something. Because Arizona had more rushing yards more passing yards, more time of possession, had a play in the end zone that that should have been a pick, but it was just a theft, like a number of accounts with, that, that stole my tweet last night. Just a complete theft. The guy gets the touchdown, credit to him. And yet, despite all that, Miami still gets to win. Tua looked good. Week before, oh, well, Tua didn't have to do anything. No, he didn't because the defense got it done, but he had to do some stuff yesterday. 
I, if you just look at the stat sheet, you, you're like, how did this happen? What? And then the saddest, I, I mean this not in a derogatory way, the poor L.A. Chargers have to be the saddest team. I mean, people make jokes that they don't have fans, but it's a good thing they don't have fans because those they would just be absolutely heartbreaking. Just absolutely heartbroken. If if there is a Charger fan out there, I just I I truly want to say I'm sorry. This team in the last five years, five seasons, five or four and a half at this point, not even complete with five yet, has lost 39 one score games. That is insane. Not since the year 2000. No, we're talking since 2015. 39! And they come up with new and creative ways to lose. Yesterday, they had the game won, right? Oh, final score, touchdown, yay. Play is under review. Nope. They had a few seconds that they had scored a winning touchdown, and then it was overturned. This team finds every conceivable way to lose a game. They've lost on the last play of the game the last two weeks. They had the same speed. All that cat does, they gave himself the nickname um, Money Badger. You can't give yourself that nickname, and you're a kicker. But he doinks it, and then the Saints win in overtime. I mean, they, they, 49 one-loss games. Sheesh. Alabama and Notre Dame run the show in college football at the top of the standings. I mentioned the Cajuns being back in the top 25, but Clemson's loss. How many of you were like watching that game and like just saying, please don't go to overtime? I, It's late. I want to stay up. I want to see SNL, Chappelle's hosting, but this thing's going to go. Oh, and that guy's going to keep going. Oh, now they got to run the local news. Wait, what? Huh? Huh? Clemson. Is still, folks say, look, it's just it's COVID year. You got to deal with it. It shouldn't matter if you lose, you lose because you don't have somebody. But that is not how the college football playoff is going to treat Clemson. They're not. They should, but they're not. Clemson lost forty-seven to forty in overtime to Notre Dame, and if they win the rest of their games with Trevor Lawrence back at quarterback, even though they'll only have one game this season against a ranked team that they won. They're going to allow them back in the college football playoff. I'll go ahead and call that shot now. I'll do it. Clemson will still be in. Notre Dame will probably get in based off that win they had. In fact, the worst thing that could happen to Clemson at this point is if Notre Dame loses some games. If it comes down to a one-loss Notre Dame team or a one-loss Clemson team, then it's kind of like, oh, guys, come on. Is Notre Dame going to lose? No. They're playing Boston College, North Carolina, Syracuse, and Wake Forest. Talk about ranked teams. That's the only ranked team Notre Dame will have played all season. And they got them without the best player. But they beat them, and they're Notre Dame. They'll get the benefit. They'll get the benefit. ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com. We're talking about sports overload in November. You got Masters Week. The Masters are taking place. As, as, as great as last weekend was, a dramatic Cajuns victory. Scored 27 points in the second half, went at 27 to 20. And the Saints complete beatdown of the Bucks. Next week, you got Cajuns in South Alabama. 
You got the Saints and the Niners. You got LSU and Bama. You got the Masters? What? Alabama right now, by the way, is a 24-point favorite in that one. Yeah. Cajuns are an early heavy favorite against South Alabama, but for what it's worth, the Cajuns, as a 14-and-a-half-point favorite, they are 2-5 and five against the spread this year. For many of you, you don't care. Why? Because you don't bet against the spread. You bet on your team. You want them to win. They're 6-1, and 4-1 and one in conference play. Can claim the West with a win this Saturday against South Alabama at home, Cajun Field, and punch their ticket to the Sunbelt Conference Championship game. That's right. ESPN 1420.com. Drew Brees. Ooh, Drew, how did that one feel? Are you going to play it cool? Or are you going to? Are you just going to just answer it all? Or are you going to open up about just how good that felt last night? Just be real about it. Number nine speaks. What did he have to say after that one last night? You'll hear it next right here on the Great Scott Show. It's ESPN fourteen twenty, ESPN fourteen twenty dot com, and the ESPN fourteen twenty app. This is the Great Scott Show coming to you live from the Roofing Louisiana ESPN 1420 studio, and we'll be right back right after this. Lee stays in. Wide left. He'll again inside the 10, inside the 5, and takes it down to the one-yard line. From the fullback in, we've got Kamara. Alvin seeks the end zone, and he's in there. Another touchdown. One first down. Start the drive from the 25-yard line. Brady under pressure. Fires. And up at the 45-yard line. Hauled in by Chris Godwin. Brady's been protected well. Fires. Caught. 35-yard line. Fighting for more yardage. A third down and seven here. Been a fun morning. Fun night last night for number nine, Drew Brees. You're listening to The Great Scott Show, The Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. I'm Scott Prather. Tomorrow, Rage Occasion head basketball coach. Talk to football coach Billy Napier this morning. We'll talk to basketball coach Bob Marlin tomorrow at 8. Working on a number of other guests as well. It'll be a fun week, guys. Keep it locked in every weekday morning, 7 to 9, right here on ESPN 1420. All right, here we go. Drew Brees after the win.
um, especially against as good a football team as the one we just played. Um, as many weapons as they have on the offensive side of the ball, um, our defense just played phenomenal. Um, really contained and bottled them up. Uh, the pass rush uh, did a phenomenal job. I mean, really, it all starts there. I think on both sides of the ball. Our offensive line, I'd say the same thing. Just the way they control the line of scrimmage the entire game. Uh, you know, we played such a great complimentary game, I think, offensively. Uh, ran the ball very well against the number one run defense in the league. Uh, we're able to find a lot of completions, a lot of first downs, kept moving the chains, scoring touchdowns when we got in the red zone. Um, so, you know, all the way around, it was a really solid performance by the entire team. Next question is from Doug Mouton. Through that first touchdown, uh, when you pump to Alvin and Traquan runs free, what is sort of your progression on that? What are you looking for for that? And pre-game, did you think that was a play that they would be biting on Alvin and you'd find somebody running free? Yeah, absolutely. So you see the replay, and we've got two guys going vertically, you know, um, Taysom and Traquan Smith. And so my eyes went to Taysom first and looked at like the safety grabbed him. I couldn't really see Traquan, couldn't really see the way the corner reacted. Um, just kind of had the rush in my face, so slid, moved, saw Traquan back in the end zone, let it fly. And it was funny because I, I got hit and I was going down and Teron Armstead caught me, propped me up and said, I just wanted to see, I wanted you to see this touchdown. So it's funny how offensive linemen catch that stuff, you know, like they're blocking, they're blocking. And the minute that their guy sees that the ball's been thrown, you know, their guy usually turns around and then immediately the offensive lineman's eyes go down the field. So it was funny that he caught me, propped me up, and said, just wanted you to see this touchdown. <laughs> Good stuff, Teron Armstead. Final moment here today on the show. Jeopardy host Alex Trebek passed away over the weekend at the age of 80. Uh, the sports world reacted in a big way. You can read about that over at ESPN1420.com and the ESPN1420 app. Wanted to play a clip of Alex Trebek, a football fan, and uh, a, a memorable moment, I mean, so many episodes of Jeopardy over the years, what a career he had, and a memorable moment when the contestants on the show knew nothing about football. Uh, football 200. Your choice, do or don't name this play in which the quarterback runs the ball and can choose to pitch it to another back. It's an option play. Ryan? <laughs> Uh, football, 400. I can tell you guys are big football fans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tom Landry perfected the shotgun formation with this team. <laughs> Dallas Cowboys. Uh, do you think we should go to commercial? <laughs> <laughs> Ryan? Take it on to 600. Okay, by signaling for one of these, a returner can reel in a kick without fear of getting tackled. Fair catch. Two clues left, Ryan. 800. These penalties are simultaneous violations by the offense and defense that cancel each other out. And they are called offsetting penalties. Let's look at the uh, $1,000 clue just for the fun of it. <laughs> Jimmy? I love that. I love that. Rest in peace, Alex Trebek. That's going to do it for the great Scott show, the great sports callers, open think tank. I will talk to you guys uh, tomorrow morning, 7 a.m., working on a number of guests. Know for sure we'll visit with Rage Cajun head basketball coach Bob Marlin. Their season tips off later this month. Looking forward to that. Steve Pellick with us next. We'll be on the game. 
Don't go anywhere.